Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Stevie G and his scouser James Bond persona returns to Anfield as Aston Villa travel to Liverpool. Tuchel's Chelsea is conceding too many goals these days. Is this a blip or a crack that will keep widening for the Blues? We have a tasty Madrid derby, AC Milan chatter, and of course, MLS Cup. A lot to discuss. So I need my American slices of Wonder Bread. Jimmy Conrad and Heath Beers are here. You are here. Kego Lasso Weekend Preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegel Lasso. Thank you for tuning in. Leave us a comment, like the video, and subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell while you're at it. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your pods, but specifically Apple Podcasts, leave that rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it helps us to grow the show. We get preview. My favorite episode of the week, some say. I don't know. What say you, Jimmy Conrad? How are you? I hope it is because me and Heath are both on here. So <laughs> I know you do a lot of episodes. And if it doesn't involve one of us, and I know I'm looking at you, Fabrizio Romano, <laughs> then uh, I'll be a little sad. No, it is. Heath, how are you, brother? I'm uh, I'm good, man. I am actually I, no complaints. Life is good. Let's <laughs> let's ro- let's roll this out. I could give you a million reasons of what's he wrong wants with to me talk right about now. It. But I'm not no going to talk session. about it. I got no a little. Yeah, session. I got a little. No. Inju- I got a little injury. Uh, I want you to talk about injury. it because Heath Pierce, you were mountain man for a while, and this is a reminder to everybody that we're all getting old. Go ahead, Heath Pierce. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, that's the thing is it's, I have a mystery, uh, injury right now on my foot, maybe a stress fracture. Uh, I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I did all the ordinary things, but I'm realizing the ordinary things are, I'm no longer capable of doing and, uh, just played a pickup soccer game was fine. And then all of a sudden couldn't walk. So, uh, it's just a quick reminder that like, what am I doing playing soccer anymore? I did that my whole life. Like that ship has sailed. Do something else with my time like this. No, Heath, I want you to play because, you know, Jimmy and I played pickup a few weeks ago and I was like, oh, it'd be great to have Heath here as well. But we hope you feel better. But listen, the older you get, all those little things get tougher. Right. But Jimmy, you're fine. No stress fracture for you. I'm great. Look at this hair and face. I'm doing amazing. (laughs) Heath is like, yeah, thanks. Uh, (laughs) Hey, listen, you will get better. We will get better. And guess what? This is the weekend preview. So everybody's here to have a good time and to chat. Some action for the weekend, and we begin, as we always do, in the Premier League, and Liverpool host Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard, the legendary Steven Gerrard. Uh, I don't, did he play for Liverpool? I don't even remember. I, all I know is this. He's the greatest manager in the history of the world. Aston Villa travel to Liverpool. Uh, Stevie G sentiment free Anfield homecoming, of course. Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane as well. How will they do with that in terms, because they did play a little bit in the Champions League, but this is Aston Villa who has gotten three wins out of four under Steven Gerrard, but this is Liverpool, a different kettle of fish. So let's begin with you once again, Jimmy Conrad, and you're not allowed to say, well, maybe in the future, Stephen Jared might become Liverpool, man. I don't want to hear that. 
Talk to me about the present. Okay, What's going fine. On? I'll talk about the present. I think Steven Gerrard is going to slip up with Aston Villa <laughs> at Anfield. <laughs> no? Is it too soon? It's maybe too soon for that. The only, the I don't only, even know. Listen, the only time I ever allow that is when James Bench does it. Because when, <laughs> okay, he, fine, when, fine, he, fine. when he predicts the opponent of Aston Villa winning, Villa always wins. So go ahead, Jimmy. Keep going. No, no. To your point, though, Aston Villa have been impressive since Gerrard took over at Villa Park. Uh, only Liverpool and Man City, who both have 12 points, have claimed more than villain uh, the villains, excuse me, uh, since the former Liverpool captain succeeded Dino Smith, who's doing a little bit of good work at Norwich right now, all things considered. Now, Liverpool come into this one on a six-game winning streak following their pretty impressive 2-1 win over AC Milan on Tuesday. They're now unbeaten at home. Also, I should add, in all competitions this season, winning all but three of 10 matches at Anfield. So things aren't really stacking up very well, I think, for Aston Villa in this one. And for me, Liverpool are probably the best team in Europe. Maybe Bayern Munich has something to say about that. Or, or Real Madrid actually are in fine form as well. But there's just something with Liverpool. And now, because Jurgen Klopp took that risk on Tuesday and rested some of his players, not all of them, but rested some of them, they're going to be even fresher for this. And with all due respect to Aston Villa, I just think it's going to be a little bit too much to ask for them. I, I would say the very least, the best result the Villa could get is a draw, but I don't see that happening. I, I feel like Liverpool will just have something different right now. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, obviously, as Jimmy mentioned, seven uh, seven wins at home, only three of those draws. And outside of Firmino and, and Curtis Jones, obviously, they're a full health squad right now. And so they have the, the, the pick of the litter, so to speak, of the players that they want to play. I always do worry about Jurgen Klopp and this team making sure that they're rotating the right ways at the right time. We're coming into that crunch time of the year that it's almost impossible to say, what team do I roll out to make sure that I'm both rotating my squad, but also putting myself in the best chance to, to win and succeed and continue to, to, to be in the, in the title race. But it's a, it's a full strength squad. And I think Gerard's a, I think Jimmy mentioned those, those teams that, that were ahead of him in terms of points. I think he's got like nine points since he's come on, yeah. uh, come on board. And, that's a fantastic start to the team. And it gives you a belief system that even when you take on a Liverpool, that you're capable of, like Jimmy mentioned, getting points out of these types of games. I just think that, again, Liverpool are just so strong. It'll be a wonderful homecoming for Steven Gerrard. I think he's doing a fantastic job. But this is one of those ones where you have to go, well, let's let's look beyond this. There's multiple games coming up. If they were to lose this, it's not the worst thing in the world. He's, this, the project is bigger than all this. But I think Liverpool are too strong in this one. Did I say that this was my favorite episode because of these two? And now they're talking about <laughs> not. I take it all back. Uh, no, listen, no, of course, this is uh, a mountain to climb for Aston Villa. To your point, Jimmy Conrad, if they're not uh, the best team in Europe, Liverpool, they're definitely one of them. And I wouldn't even argue with anybody that says they're the best. You know, they're clicking all cylinders. It's not even just about ind individual performances, but just collectively how they do. Um, I'll just give you my two cents on Gerard uh, with Villa since he's taken over. It's very early, only, you know, a, a few games. But even in the Man City loss, the 2-1 loss, I've seen such an organization when we don't have the ball. That's been a major issue for Aston Villa for a long time. Of course, now you face a Liverpool side that loves to gegenpress, that loves to intoxicate you, that loves to do a lot of things, especially, you know, moving into the final third. But if I can take something from when they played Brighton at Anfield, I can maybe sometimes see that maybe there's a crack every now and again. I'm not going to say that this is going to be, you know, yeah, Steven Gerrard is going to get one over Liverpool, but I'm not going to go against Aston Villa. I'm going to 
we're, we're going to win this game, boys. It's not impossible. It's not an it's not an impossible shout whatsoever to get to get points out of out of this game. I just you know I think about the fact that Liverpool know that they've won six in a row, and that's really hard to not take into account when you're playing these types of uh, these types of matches. Yeah, fair enough, Jimmy. You know, I'll, I'll jump in really quick, and I know there's probably some question marks around Jurgen Klopp to the rotation point that Heath brought up with Sadio Mane and Mo Salah in particular. I think Jurgen Klopp's looking at this as I'm not going to have either of those guys for a month in January because they're going to the Africa Cup of Nations. I'm mm. playing them as much as humanly possible <laughs> and getting as many results as possible while they're still around. I do want to add that Liverpool have only one loss this season, and it was against West Ham at London Stadium, and they should have had a 3-3 draw at the very least in that one because Sadio Mane missed a wide-open header, which means if they had gotten that result, they wouldn't have lost all season long. That's how well they're playing. But to your point about Villa, they have scored in every game since Gerard has taken over. Beating Brighton, a very good Brighton at home, very impressive. First uh, game. Away to Crystal Palace, away uh, at home to City. Obviously, City are very strong. And then uh, at home to Leicester. I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty impressive what he's done and the fact that they're scoring goals. And so what I want to say is that when it comes to betting this one, Liverpool and over two and a half goals feels very safe. That's minus 200. And so I think the bookies can see it for what it is, too. There's going to be goals in this one, and Liverpool will probably be on top. But if you think Aston Villa can get a goal, then going Liverpool to win and both teams to score goes up to plus 145. That is a big swing. So if you think Villa's got enough in them to get a goal in this, I would really advise you to look towards that. If not, you're feeling like, I just want to bet on the result, I would maybe throw Liverpool in a parlay to win. They're just, they're just as I mentioned before, a different, different gravy. They're so, so what's your right prediction now. very quickly, and then I'll go to Heath. I'll, I'll, I'll say 3-1 to Liverpool. 3-1. Jimmy Conrad. Heath? Yeah, right. I'm going to go. I would, I'll probably go a little tighter than that just because I think uh, the Steven Gerrard effect could have some some sort of impact but and leave it late. But I say 2-1 to, uh, to Liverpool. I mean, they're 24 of 25 games uh, unbeaten. Uh, Liverpool are going beyond uh, the things that Jimmy mentioned. I mean, it's just a hard team to beat, and, and Jurgen Klopp has them has them believing in a way that I I didn't think that they necessarily could or would as they started to find their form again. Streaks are meant to be broken. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. go. I love it, dude. Uh, I love the other with your heart, not your head. Yeah, absolutely. Steven Gerrard. We're going with Aston Villa two one for me. By the way. Shout out to Marvelous Nakamba. He has made him into Makalele. I'm telling you, he's so good. I love it. But no, this is going to be a great game to watch. Absolutely. And it'll be amazing to see Anfield welcoming back Steven Gerrard. All right, let's move on here. Arsenal, who lost to Everton on the Monday night game and then came all the gunners saying, well, what is going on? Where's the identity? Whatever. Oh, so let's add some t- context here. Arsenal hosting Southampton. But Arsenal have lost three of their last four matches. It is it is to be said about that. And I, I feel, Jimmy, um, that we were only a few weeks ago talking about... Actually, no. You know what, Jimmy? I'm sorry. Let's go to the Arsenal fan. Oh, Heath, yeah. A few weeks ago, Jimmy and I were talking about we feel confident. Arteta finally has an identity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Can you explain Monday night? Can you explain what's going on? What's going on with Arsenal? And how do you see them against Southampton? Yeah, again, I I, I, I got myself into the trap of saying judge them on two match windows. Uh, this is the second match of another two match window. Obviously, three of their last four, all of those games away. Yeah, three, Arsenal my, are, my bad, by the yeah. way, three of five, uh, which is still, you know, three. Three losses. Yeah. Not last I mean, I mean yeah. those three also are away from home. Arsenal are a very different team at home. So I think when you judge this one, you judge them by the home form and the comfort that they have at, at home. 
And so I, I like the odds of this one. I'm looking at the Southampton side. Obviously, they have suspensions of Solisso and Romeo, both right up the spine of the team. That makes it very different. Uh, yeah. a, di- a very different match, I think, as Arsenal have a fantastic home form. I think they've shown that they have an ability to bounce back. I don't think that they're becoming this bounce back team that gets punched in the face and then they punch back on the next team. But I think they're still moving forward. It's just not the form that I think you would expect, especially as they went on to their run, started to reach closer to the top four. You expect them to have a more consistent run of form, especially away from home, being able to scrap out results. Uh, giving up points like that to Everton, I think, is indicative of of some perhaps some cracks within the team or or fatigue of what this new system might be. Uh, of not believing that, hey, if we just do this, the results will come, knowing that there's going to require a little bit more um, than just sticking to a system to get those results. But yeah, I, th- I, I still think Arsenal at home are, are, a, are a tough team to beat and are gonna, they're going to be able to get all three points against the Southampton side. Yeah, I agree with Heath. I think that what should be noted too is that three of those, or the, the three games they've lost in their last four have all been away from home against Liverpool, against Man United, and against an Everton team that was feeling some pressure to put out a performance and and had that urgency that I think Arsenal lacked after they scored first. Had Everton scored first, I'm very curious to see how Arsenal would have responded. But speaking about response, this is a really important step, I think, in their evolution as a group as to how do we respond from this type of dramatic defeat where we give up a very good goal by Damari Gray, by the way. I don't want to take anything away from that hit. But, but where we kind of just let them back in the game. We didn't do those little things that are necessary. And I actually saw some quotes from Tuchel about uh, Chelsea's 3-3 draw with Zenit that he said we have to do the basics really, really well. I'm paraphrasing here. But we have to get back to doing that. We have to hold ourselves to the highest standard on the basics. And I find that to be a very interesting way to describe it because Arsenal lacked that a little bit against Everton. You stopped doing the little things that helped you have success to have that nice little run that you were on. So they have to find a way to get back to that and take pride in doing the little things, which we're seeing with Chelsea as well. Like They're not taking as much pride in doing the little things, and that's why they've given up six goals in two games. I don't want to get into them uh, too much. But with regard to Arsenal, really important, I think, for them to uh, take on a team who gave up a last-minute goal to Brighton to draw 1-1. They're on a winless run of four. They're terrible. They're one of the worst teams in the Premier League away from home. They've conceded at least two goals in 10 of their last 12 away matches. Mm. And to his point, Arsenal have been very good at home. And I think that's a good sign as well, that they're starting to make the Emirates a bit more of a fortress, you know, and that it is difficult. Anytime you step on that field against Arsenal at the Emirates, it's going to be a long 90 minutes. And so I think Arsenal will do the business here. I actually like them to win in over two and a half goals plus 130. I like that. I like that. That that. Uh, by the way, Emil Smith Rowe. Uh, we're not sure yet if he's available, trying to deal with an injury. But you know they should have enough, as you mentioned. And by the way, if Arsenal do win, they are seventh right now, and obviously that will take them all the way up to fifth um, because they'll be still a point behind West Ham, regardless of what happens. All right. Well, quick predictions. And what do you say, Heath? I'm saying two 0 to Arsenal, home fortress, as Jimmy mentioned. Stack it up, let's go. I mean, the, you, you can pu- you could call it a project and know that it's tougher to get away results, and still know that the project continues. If you're going to win all your home games, then it's less things to focus on on the road, or or you can focus your attention to how you get results on the road. Jimmy, you sticking with those uh, betting tips and going by? Was yeah, it- I, I do think it'll be over two and a half goals. I'm trying to decide if it's two one or three zero, but I think Arsenal are going to win. So consider throwing them into a parlay as well. I love it. I love it. Well, sticking in uh, North London. By the way, uh, Tottenham's away trip to Brighton has been, well, actually, no, as it stands, it's still going on. Uh, the, the the one that didn't happen is not happening. It's the Conference League match, of course, a COVID outbreak with eight players uh, 
could be more, but as we are taping eight players and five members of staff as well. But uh, as I mentioned, as we are taping, that game is still happening. It might not happen uh, as we do that. But just a little bit on this situation here, Heath Beers, Tottenham, of course, Antonio Conte was very worried, as we should be. And this is obviously a very serious thing. Uh, the UK, England is taking a lot of uh, protocols. They've moved to plan B. In England, due to the Omicron variant as well. Now, if you want to go into the stadium, you need a COVID passport, you need a lateral flow test, etc. So obviously, December alone is crazy. But now with COVID and making sure that things are being handled correctly, this is something to watch. And Tottenham becomes one of the first, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, victims during this time. But as with stands, the game is still happening. So, you know, what do you think of that? Should have been... Uh, postponed, suspended anyway, just because of what happened in the Conference League. Yeah, it always tends to be this time of year when it's crunch time that games get canceled for weather and other things. And obviously, I think the league uh, is capable uh, or or always finds these little windows to say, like, if this, then that, and and leaving spaces open to be able to fill that up later on, knowing that you might have weather issues or you might have COVID outbreak, especially now when you're building when you're building a season, knowing that you're heading into next year and a World Cup year that happens at the end of the year, you still have time and some windows outside of the international windows to fill these games in. So it would make sense. We've seen those games postponed before, not just in Europa League, but also in domestic leagues where they postpone mm. them and bring them back because of those, um, because of the 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 positive tests or cases. We saw that with there was four. I think it was Man City before that had gone through that. Uh, where they had a game postponed. So I think some consistency there certainly helps. And when you're talking about uh, eight players, five staff, that's a serious, serious issue. And we're seeing uh, the pressure of teams and and uh, needing to get guys back. And it's not so much about whether or not they pass a negative test, but there's a physical reaction to their bodies that that you're fighting against. And I know there's a million different opinions on on how this should be, but I think certainly postponing it when you have this level of magnitude, and that's hard to say, right? Because if it was two or three, is it also fair to, to postpone or not postpone? Um, and is there a threshold where you go, oh, well, well, half the team or most of them aren't starters or whatever it is. Uh, it's tough to really dial in uh, consistency within all that. So you have to take it each each match at a time and each game at a time and say, is this an unfair advantage or or can we reschedule this? Is, is there a better way to handle this type of situation? Uh, so it's certainly difficult. It's just it's hard. We saw it sweep through the Bundesliga. We saw a number of these teams continue to play matches. Um, and, and some of these teams really suffer in terms of their players and some of the long-term effects that we're seeing uh, in the Bundesliga of players that are testing positive and trying to come back from, from, uh, from these, these illnesses. And so, yeah, overall, it's a, it's a complicated situation, and uh, I would always lean towards if you can find windows to be able to play this later on. It's already a condensed schedule. You already have high-risk players. We see a lot of injuries just generally come during this time because of the amount of matches played. So, yeah, I would say postponing it when you can is always the smarter move. I don't know if, Jimmy, Jimmy, what your thoughts are on this. No, well, I would say that Tottenham are also in a unique spot because they had one of their Premier League games already postponed due to snow against Burnley. So they have to throw that into the equation as well. Obviously, it's congested, yeah. congested schedule for... Premier League teams in general this time of year. That's unlike any other league around the world. So there's a lot to pack in here. And obviously, they're on the precipice of getting knocked out of the Conference League. If they don't get a result, they have to match what Vitesse does against Mira to, to get that second spot at a very minimum. So this is a big game. And Wren have come out and stated that this is crap, that that Tottenham, you know, they worked unilaterally and, and made this decision without uh, talking to us. And so they're rightfully upset. I mean... It's it is it is really interesting. I think the one 
thing that I'm always a bit surprised about. Every time we see some of these cases breaking out, I just assumed all the players were getting vaccinated. I just assumed that, and not to say you still can't catch COVID when, when you are vaccinated, but I just assumed that that would be part of it. And as these more stories come out from leagues around the world, you're starting to learn that they actually aren't. And I know they get tested a lot. And, and so it's not like they're not getting tested. But I just assumed that the clubs would would make that a mandate. And, and that was a bit of a surprise for me because then you probably – you would just lessen the chances, I think, given on the stats and the science that we've seen out there that that if you're vaccinated, you don't have as much of a chance of catching COVID, even though you can. Get vaccinated. I don't even care. Like, it's not even a political stamp. Just get vaccinated. And by the way, going around Europe, Joshua Kimmich is having lung issues due to COVID issues. Obviously, I wish him the Dude. best. I want, I want him to recover, but this That's is crazy. just insane. It's insane. Any thoughts on that, by the way? Because it's like, I don't know, like, Sometimes, you know, your consequences, you know, follow your actions. I don't want to get too much into it. but no, no. Point, like, it, it's just- I'll, say, I'll say really quick with, with Joshua Kimmich that he made a decision that he didn't want to get vaccinated. And I think that I think we're all waiting to see. Like, these are world-class athletes. These are guys that have nutritionists. They have people giving them massages every day. I mean, these people are treated as well as you possibly can physically and obviously emotionally. Anything that they need, they're going to get it. And the fact that someone like Joshua Kimmich can get COVID, even though they are in these crazy strict protocols, and then now suffer something a little bit more consequential is a bit scary, to be honest. And so obviously we wish him well. We want him to recover as soon as possible. But I think it does kind of maybe send a message to everybody else like, hey, maybe we shouldn't mess around with this, even though we are you know, world-class athletes and we take care of ourselves. So we'll see. I mean, I, I feel like there's a, there's a positive ripple effect from this. Assuming he, I want him to get healthy, of course. We all want the same thing. But but maybe there's like, hey, maybe more guys will get vaccinated because they don't want to take that risk that, that Kimmich did. I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, it, it, the, the hard part with all of this is that uh, one's choice. And one's choice doesn't have just individual effects in with regard to this, right? It has effects potentially on others. And now the only way you see it is, is unfortunate circumstances or fortunate physical responses to COVID. And when that happens, then, then it brings to light the issues that it's not just, you know, the sniffles of people have called it. There are potential ramifications and consequences of these types of things. Now, again, I know that, I know that Bayern and the Bundesliga are saying, Hey, we support everyone's individual right to, to do these things. We can only advise uh, on getting uh, vaccinations. But when you look at a situation like that, and you look at the fact that Jimmy knows what it's like in a, in a, in a locker room, right? You have players getting their shots to the knee. You have like in, in high intense environments, p- players mostly are willing to do anything to be on the field to help their mm-hmm, team. The mm-hmm. team wants them because you are a, an asset, right? You are a, you are an asset that is a value towards getting results. They are paying you a wage. They are paying all these things. And not to say that it's like the old days of the of the NFL or the doping Olympics where like, you know, you're jamming needles and everyone. But there's a lot of things that go into it, a lot of science that goes into making sure your players are available on the field to represent your team. They are being paid to perform, paid to play at the highest level. And this includes that. This includes the fact that you are wanting to protect your assets and the fact that you can't mandate this to protect your assets. Just on a pure team level is a little bit alarming to me and the potential ramifications. And again, you see something like that. You want him to get better. You want him to get well. And you want to use this as a story to prevent this from happening to more players who might have mixed feelings or might have uh, you know, their inner circle might be telling them something differently, or they might just have that mindset of like, I'm not going to do what I'm told to do. I make my own decisions. Yeah. I'm just going to Mohammed Salah. Okay. This is what he said. They are doctors who have been working and studying medicine for years. 
If I said this is wrong, then I'll be like anyone in the street who said, pass this ball here instead of this. I can't remember really talking to a player in a one-to-one situation and explaining why he should or she should, because I'm not a doctor. No, sorry, that's Jurgen Klopp saying that, by the way. Obviously, it comes from Jurgen Klopp. I'm just going to end it on this, okay? Your civic duty, and let's respect science, just like he said. All right, let's move on. Let's uh, let's talk about the rest of the game. Hey, real quick, though, Luis, can yeah. I just say that when people are dying, I, that's a lot for me. Like, that's a, that's enough for me. When I know people, physical touch points to me, that people are dying and have died from this, that's enough for me. I don't, you could cut, say that I shouldn't be, shouldn't be advised by my neighbor or anybody around me. When, when I've had physical response and people in my family know people who have died, that's enough for me. I don't Correct. need to go much further. You could call that naive. You could call that whatever. You could call that anything. You could call me crazy if you want. Maybe it's fear driven. But the fact that 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 that's the stance that I take, that's the stance that I take because it yeah. feels logical to 100%. me. One hundred percent. I don't give a shit about what you have been studying on Google. This is your civic duty. It's not for you. It's for everybody else. It's for everybody else. Jimmy, did you want to end on this? I, I, I <laughs> no, I just had a funny anecdote where yeah, please, we, we had we had some some people in our little downtown area with anti-vax signs and it's government control mm. and they're putting a chip in you and all that stuff. And I, I walked past one of them and I said, do you have a social security number? <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you, do you use an iPhone? You know, I, I'm pretty sure the government can track you <laughs> in a lot of different ways that don't, that don't have anything to do with this vaccine. Yeah. And he was like, well, 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 I'm like, it's, I just, was, I just, I wanted to get his reaction and keep walking. Not that I didn't want to respect his thoughts. I, I get, and I have family members that are anti-vax and, and it's interesting to hear their perspective. And, and I have, and I have time for it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not willing to listen. I, I definitely want to have a compromise and, and to understand the mindset, but I just had to throw that little aside. Yeah, in there. He like was like, but, but he was a little bit flummoxed, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know if that was the funniest of all stories, but it was it was an interesting anecdote of, of a time where I, I don't know. I feel like they're they're getting all worked up about something that the government already has. It <laughs> knows exactly but, what you're doing but, at all times. But re- with regard to Kimmich, he's in <laughs> environments where you are constantly around and close to other players and people and at, at risk environments where you're in locker rooms, you're on airplanes, you're constantly traveling, you're at you're in these at risk environments right and it's it's different where uh same thing jimmy i have people in my family a lot of them live very far from anybody and it's a stance thing and they can do whatever they want but the the the, it's not putting others you want to do your own thing do your own thing but it's the putting others at risk type of thing that i start to start to open my eyes to and 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 again i want him to get better i want him to see this i'd love for him to make a statement i'd love for him to just come out and feel a little bit differently we've seen a number of people across all walks of life come out publicly and say something differently uh different stance than you want than they had before but you don't want people learning by having potential permanent lung issues or things that joshua kimmich is suffering from now because that's that's pretty tragic yeah absolutely i guess i know it's the last word on this we're gonna move on i'm just gonna say this my wife is a public school teacher and she's been in a classroom since the pandemic started okay without a vaccine all right, risking her life. And she's not the only one. Do the right thing, for God's sake. All right, let's move on. Let's do the right thing and talk about the rest of the Premier League, by the way. Top four to watch. Which game has the biggest potential of an upset? Jimmy Conrad. And then Heath Pierce, please jump in. So uh, Man City Wolves, Chelsea Leeds, 
Burnley, West Ham. Norwich, Manchester United. Man City Wolves, Chelsea Leeds, Burnley, West Ham, Norwich, Manchester United. Which one has the potential of an upset? Of an upset? Mm. Uh, I feel like Chelsea Leeds is where I'm leaning, just given the fact that Chelsea have given up six goals in the last two games, which is very unlike them under Thomas Tuchel. Leeds struggling under Marcelo Bielsa, so this would be a big result for them. I feel like without Bamford and, and some of their other players they relied Phillips, upon, Cooper, yeah, yep, it just, yep. it's going to yep. be a tall task. Wolves, potentially Man City. If you remember last season when Man City were in that unbelievable run and were winning game after game after game, Wolves had them on the ropes for a little bit. It was 1-1, then Adama Traore missed a couple sitters, as he does, unfortunately. What a tremendous player when he gets himself in those spots. And I feel like Wolves do have the capacity to hang around. They're tough to beat, and obviously... They, they took Liverpool to the very, very end last week. So there could be potential for an upset, maybe a draw as, as opposed to a win for City. And City need a response after kind of a lackluster performance against uh, RB Leipzig. But yeah, yeah, I guess those two. I, I think West Ham and Man United, both the Uniteds will do the business here. All right. Man, this, one, this one's tough because I look at all of these and all of them are in a position to give up, you know, points. As Jimmy mentioned with Manchester City. Uh, they're they're forced to be to go down to go further down their their roster uh, in terms of maybe Phil Foden plays maybe he doesn't you know but now you've got Kevin De Bruyne back rotating the squad uh, and losing to RB Leipzig that's another motivator of saying hey we've had our little blip now we bounce back and we batter somebody uh, when I look at Norwich I would love for that to be a a an actual storyline I just don't think that they have it in them that survival level I just don't think he, I don't think they have enough tools to if they were to take on, uh, or when they do take on a Manchester United that they arrested have. Manchester United, right? Because yeah. he rotated yeah. a lot. Right? I just don't think that if Manchester United said, "Hey, the point there's points on the line for you, or at least a point on the line for you," that Norwich have the actual capability or, or or possibility of taking those points away. And so when I think about those those four matches, it's it's really tough for me to say. And again, I would I would lean towards Leeds because they have the least predictability. In terms of competing, they can run you wide open. Chelsea are in a little bit of a struggle of when we talk about traditional Chelsea in terms of not giving up a lot of goals. So that's the one that I would lean towards of Leeds being able to disrupt them, create that chaos that you need. Mm -hmm. uh, Chelsea feeling like a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, they stay in those games even when they're giving up a number of those goals, but perhaps there's just in a little bit of a funk and and could be uh, ripe for for giving up points. I would I would have gone for Leeds had I not seen that um, Rodrigo is out, Bamford is out. Cooper is out. Calvin Phillips is out. That's a that's a lot. That's a they lot. Got Rafinha though. They got Rafinha. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. They got Rafinha. He can do it. I'm gonna go with, uh, and it's kind of a cop out because you know West Ham are still you know gonna do it. But I think Burnley can can beat West Ham. The euphoria of uh, beating Chelsea might you know calm down. So we'll see. All right. Elsewhere in the Premier League, of course, uh, do we have the fixtures on the screen there, Des Norris? As we look ahead. To the weekend in December. Every time I have to slow down what I'm saying because I'm waiting for Desnars to put them out. Thank you so uh, much, Desnars. Brentford, Watford on Friday, by the way. Don't forget, it all begins on Friday. Fantasy folks, uh, get those lineups in. We talked about City Wolves, Arsenal, Southampton, Chelsea, Leeds, Liverpool against Aston Villa. That's Norwich against Manchester United. Keep on scrolling there, Desnars, if you can. Uh, what else do we have here? In the Premier Newcastle, baby. Yeah. I would say uh, Crystal Palace Everton is an interesting one too, given the emotional win that Everton had. Is that over. the one you're looking at? 
What about oh, the yeah, Newcastle, Newcastle, Jimmy? I mean, that's that's one too. When we talk about upsets on the line or open open for upsets, do you not think Newcastle are capable of of, of riding this little bit of a wave or belief that they have? <laughs> against the, uh, I the wish tiny, one game. Can we play? call one win a wave? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that is a belief. It's a belief. They've been working. They've been working months for that. You know what I mean? And it finally came to fruition. They got to eat that meal, and that meal tasted good. Are they, they winning then? Are they winning that? Can they win uh, against Leicester? Le- Leicester haven't been good at home this particular season, but I don't think Newcastle have enough there and I think Leicester kind of see Newcastle as a way to bounce back where Newcastle could be considered a slump buster for a lot of uh teams out there I I, I do like Palace though that Palace Everton game I'm really looking at and mm. I know there's some there is some controversy Lucas Digne didn't start for Everton against Arsenal and he was upset about it curious if Rafa Benitez continues to go that route without him in the team he's asking for more from his players and he got it in that response so there is some trouble in paradise. Well, if you consider Everton paradise or not, but uh, I also like what Patrick Vieira is doing with Palace. I think they've got a really talented squad. They have some of the best young players and one of the best academies in all of England. So uh, that that is a project that I think is going to come full circle here in the next couple seasons. Like it, Jimmy. His final word on the Premier League before we take a break. No, I mean, I just, it's surprising to hear, you know, Jimmy talk in the way that he does about Newcastle not having a belief after finally getting that win. <laughs> I mean, look, you that can win. Call I'll, I'll give you the optimistic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he, that win against Burnley, Burnley had a lot of chances. Like they, they, they would have put him away in other, I'm just saying, like a, a win's a win. And Newcastle needed it, but I need to see more. And Leicester, who Please, just lost right to Villa, I don't know. We'll tough have to crowd. see. Yeah, I know. We'll take a break. Uh, Heath Pierce's uh, foot needs a little rest. Uh, (laughs) When we come back, uh, the Madrid Derby and the rest of Europe. And of course, MLS Cup, baby. Weekend preview. Que golazo. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Kigolasso Weekend Preview. Heath Piers, Jimmy Conrad. Let's go to Spain. Real Madrid get a win against Inter. Atletico Madrid are in the knockout stages. They get a win against Porto, so they're both feeling good. This is the Madrid momentum match to me, boys. This is about Real Madrid winning, extending their lead. Atletico Madrid winning, and they get their mojo back. Jimmy Conrad, this is the 169th. Meeting in La Liga between the sides, Real Madrid has won 89 of them. There's been 40 draws and lost 39. Atleti on a seven-game winless run versus their neighbors, by the way. Four draws and three losses. Jimmy, talk to me about this game. All right, so I think the easy pick in this one is Real Madrid. Their unbeaten form is fantastic. How they played against Inter Milan. It's very professional performances, no matter who's in the team. It could be Asensio starting, Rodrigo, 
Luka Jovic in for Benzema, though it looks like Benzema is going to start this one, which I think puts more fear into the hearts of Atleti supporters. I find this game interesting because Atleti are the defending champs of La Liga, and if Madrid can win, they will get a 13-point gap over Atleti, which I think pretty much decimates any hope that Atleti have to try mm-hmm. to re- retain the title. And that is significant. I think Atleti's going to show up. They had their backs against the wall in the Champions League midweek in Porto and got the result that they needed to make sure that they got to the knockout rounds for the eighth time out of nine under Diego Simeone in the Champions League group stages. They know how to have success. They know how to play when their backs are against the wall. In some ways, I think that's when they play their best, when people kind of count them out, when they have that chip on their shoulder. We could argue Diego Simeone has the most talented team he's ever had, and yet he still can't really seem to figure out his best 11. I know they've had some injuries. I know maybe some players aren't playing up to their potential. I'm looking at you, Joao Felix, even though I feel like he might be better fit somewhere else. I'm curious about his future. Antoine Griezmann can be very slippery, can change games by himself. Luis Suarez came out hurt against Porto. I don't think he's going to start this one. But Cunha comes in. He's been very serviceable so far. So I'm curious to see how this Atleti team performs. In some weird way, I think that there's going to be a draw. I really like the draw on this one. I'm straddling the fence because I think Atleti is going to have to punch him in the face and make it life difficult for Madrid. But this Madrid team, I really like, honestly, David Alaba has been so important for them. I think he brings a nice, steady guidance. I think he's a good leader. And I just think he's a different voice than what they've had with Varane and Sergio Ramos for so long. And obviously, you can see those two players in particular have broken down. So Madrid knew what they were doing by getting rid of those two and bringing in Alaba. But yeah, they've got a nice, complete team. My, My worry is that they continue to roll out Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric every single game, even mm. though they've all been wins. You got to give them some rest at some point, and maybe Atleti can take advantage of that and make them work for it. I don't know, but uh, I think that Atleti got to draw on them. Yeah, I fully agree with Jimmy, especially that David Alaba comment, just because uh, you know you're replacing a decade's worth of leadership in that in that back line and bringing in another player that came from a tradition of winning, uh, a tradition of being a young player that's built themselves up into a team and had to become a leader themselves. And I think that's really important. And an underlooked asset in rebuilding a team or a team bouncing back, obviously, like, like you mentioned, Atletico are the reigning champions of La Liga. When you went into the season on paper, you go, ah, Vinicius Jr., who knows what you're going to get out of him? David Alaba, how does he fit in? This is a transitional year. Where does it go? But now they find themselves, you know, uh, playing against a team that's one win in their last seven, Atletico. Atletico, by the way, are, are, are very good away from home. And so that's why I start to th- think this levels out. If you look at the form of Real Madrid, it's, it's nine wins in a row across all competitions. They're in top form right now. The Jimmy mentioned the squad's not being rotated much, but that's also a good thing if you're trying to create a little bit of a gap because you know exactly who you're going to have to mm-hmm. put on the field. Maybe you play Asensio after hitting a banger and continue starting him there. But outside of that, there's not really, uh, if you have ben, Benzema back, you pretty much have your, your squad that's set. But that's where I start to see, you know, very rarely do these leagues go the way that we think that they're going to go. We're now Real Madrid before Christmas are going to run away uh, with the league. And if you're Atletico Madrid, it's in that opportunity to, to bounce back and at least get a point on the road. They're not the, uh, they're not the Atleti side that we've seen in years past where they give away very few goals. They are giving up um, more goals than they have because they give up almost nothing uh, in a season. But yeah, this, this is a game that I think is going to come down to. I, I'm, I'm unfortunately sitting on the fence and I hate to do that, that I think that it'll be a draw. Because the storyline should say that Real Madrid win this, they run away. The other storyline say Atleti always rise to these occasions, and that's why I'm sitting right in the middle and saying there's going to be a draw on this one. I'm also going for a draw. Before Jimmy gives us his betting tip, the reason is, remember what I said at the very beginning, 40 draws in this derby. That's the most 
in Spain out of any regional derby. Jimmy Conrad, quick betting tips. What say yeah, you? Yeah, again, I like the draw plus 240. You can get Atleti to win that's straight up. I don't value. think that's going to happen plus 250. Even Madrid, if you want to go with Real Madrid, plus 111, maybe throw them into a parlay if you think they can do the business at home. I would really advise everybody to look at the starting lineups before you make any bets is Benzema going to start because that'll be very important I believe and then also look at the back line for Atleti uh, Felipe should come back into the team uh, Hermoso Condogbia could be that back three they've had Jimenez look to see if Jimenez is playing if they're missing some of those guys it could make a big difference in terms of how they slow down Madrid's attack but Oblak I thought were very good the whole team in Porto backs against the wall I, I like the draw though, and, and uh, the value is really, really, really good. Hey, hey, Luis, can I say something real quick about Jimmy's uh, betting tips, real quick? Yeah, of course. This guy, man. this guy hits a few big parlays along the way, and he went from telling you some, g- giving you uh, some options to advice. He's advising now. Now he's advising. <laughs> He's, 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 saying, I, he's telling you directly, I advise you on yeah. these things. And now, like, what has happened to our humble little better over here? Well, and now he's, you know now he's giving advice. Now I know what it is, Heath. I know what it is. It's been a few weeks of him absolutely killing it. <laughs> Ian Poljoy, I don't know what happened, but Ian on HQ decided to sing his praises. And now, listen, you know you know what happens after advising? Consulting. And he's going to be consulted. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be too much. Yeah. I'm not going to give you my betting tips as your betting expert, but I will consult you on the hour if you want to reach me offline. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, let's move on to Italy. Serie A, by the way. Um, let's talk about AC Milan for a second. They're traveling to Udinese. Rossoneri are out of Europe. And I wanted to quickly ask you, boys, Heath, beginning with you, how do you think uh, this season, I know it's just December, but should be judged? Uh, is it time to rethink the structuring of, of the club? Or is it, you know, does this need more context? Because really, you know, getting to the knockout stages for AC Milan in many ways can be seen as overachieving. How would you see this AC Milan side as they now have one focus and that's domestic competition? Yeah, it's it's hard to say because, you know, you talk about Zlatan and Zlatan reminds me of of Ronaldo in this context where he's your top performer. So you can't get away from him. It's impossible, right? When he's on the field, he scores all your goals. I think he's got six goals in six games in the league Mm. and obviously not scoring in Europe. But I look at this as a positive. And again, I've been referencing this for a while now that AC Milan were the same team that start like last year started the same as they did this year. Right on top, firing on all cylinders. And then they stayed in Europe and Milan went out. Inter Milan goes out on December 9th of last year, and then they go on this run where they lose one game for the rest of the season until they wrapped up the title, ended up losing to Juventus after they had already wrapped up the title. And that's an opportunity now for this AC Milan side. Yes, I know AC Milan want to be giants of Europe again. They want to be seen as this team that competes for European trophies. But I think that you can give that up, but now you're not fighting for a Europa League title. And again, your focus is purely on this. Obviously, Inter Milan last year went out of the went out of in the semifinals of of the Coppa d'Italia, and AC Milan now have this opportunity to just truly focus on this one thing, where it's not about player rotation, it's not about trying to manage all of these things. And I know it sounds stereotypical; the players don't look at it this way and say, "Oh, we've only got one thing; let's just do this more or do this better." But it is their best opportunity to be able to put out their best team consistently and go after this this title. They were multiple points up. I said that if they were 10 points clear, I think they could run away with it. Now they're in the thick of an actual title fight, and I worry about them uh, in terms of their ability to have that consistency. I'd say they were done if they were still in Europe. They'd have no chance of winning the title or winning the league if they were still in Europe just because of the pure fact. And again, I know it's the knockout rounds and two games you could be done and whatever, but 
that as that lingers on, I think that could have a detrimental effect to this team that it's clearly not as deep as we thought they were or as consistent as they thought they were. And from an identity standpoint, no Simon Kier, obviously with his injury. So you losing that leader in the back line. And then you have Zlatan up top where he is a system you have to build around. You cannot, it's, I experienced this with Thierry Henry. Humble brag. We're about 42 minutes in. Uh, <laughs> you cannot build a pressing system. And I actually know Zlatan does a lot more defensive work, at least shaping the field in a way that more than some of the other strikers do around the world in terms of, hey, I'm just going to curl over this way and force the game over to this side, and I'm going to do it again to the other side. But it's hard when the game is constantly going past players that are supposed to be your first line of defense. It's very difficult to build a system. Your mm. system has to be around those players. And I think that's a hard thing to do when you're trying to manage Zlatan and manage AC Milan. That's no knock on him. You signed him. You're getting what you want out of him uh, in terms of his age and, and whatever. But that's also going to come with some consequences as well. Yeah, this is somewhat of an interesting conversation. I think there are some easy parallels and should be considered, as, as Heath said, about falling out of Europe. Inter Milan obviously used that to their advantage last season. I do feel like Milan got drawn into the group of depth. They were in pot four in the draw, you know, and, and that was going to be difficult. First time back in the Champions League in seven years. So in some ways, I think that their history works against them because they've had so much success. People are so impatient for Milan to get back to the top. And when it just takes time to get all that in place. Now, they were 12 points off the top of the table last season, getting second behind Inter Milan. And they were one point ahead of Atalanta and Juve. So it was all really kind of bunched together there. But no one was catching Inter once they got going towards the end of the season. Milan find themselves now hopefully leaning on that experience of how to weather that storm. Does it help them emotionally and psychologically? They don't have to worry about Europe? Yeah, 100%. I think that will help them and allow them to rest in a way that other teams that they're competing against can't. But I don't know yet if this team is there to take that big step. And so I'm curious as to the patience of the fan base for Milan because they want it so fast, but you have to earn it. And, and it's like brick by brick, they say. And, and you have to lay those bricks. You have to lay the foundation for you to actually walk that path. And, and I don't know if they're there just yet. Are they Are they building that process? Are we seeing it under Stefano Pioli? We are 1,000% seeing that. He has got a tremendous mix of younger and older players to lean mm. on. Now, it's like making those decisions. I like Fra Franck Kessier a lot. But he is now winding down his contract where he might actually leave for free in the summer. So they have to make that. They don't want another Donnarumma situation where they have to now go spend money to go find some replacement when they already had a top player in, in a particular position. Those are the decisions where I think we're going to really see how serious this Milan team is to actually being a title contender season in and season out where they weren't like that for what, the last five or six years. Yeah, we're going to move on to Serie But before we do, the only thing I'll say is that I don't think Slatan Ibrahimovic should be the focal point. He should be part of a project as opposed to the project itself. I think that's the best way. But very good point specifically on the process of AC Milan. All right. The rest of Serie by the way, uh, Verona host Atalanta. That's going to be a tasty one. Simeone. No, not that one. His son <laughs> against uh, the little team that could. I don't even call them the little team anymore. There's no, they are like, uh, you know, that kind of stocky sort of uh, rugby player that just gives zero shits about anybody. <laughs> I, I kind of like him. But yeah, they're going to be facing, but that should be a good game. And Genoa against Sampdoria, the Derby de la Lanterna, Friday, 245 Eastern. All these games, by the way, as uh, Des hopefully will put the fixtures on the screen. All these games you can watch exclusively on Paramount Plus. Before we say goodbye to Serie A, any final points on the Italian League, Keith Pierce and then Jimmy? 
No, uh, not really. It's, I mean, these these games are not obviously the, the <clears throat> we've been spoiled games so far this year. Bar, sorry, this. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, we've been spoiled so much this year uh, with the fact that Serie A has gone back to being a six or seven team league of quality. That mm. these are ones that these play these teams will be judged upon while they're not playing against or playing in the biggest of matches against the biggest of teams. This is where you got to get your points in the title race, right? Atalanta are in the form that they're in. They can beat anybody at the moment right now, but you have to continue to do that against the games that are less inspiring, against the teams that are going to, you, you know, when you're Atalanta and you're facing off against the Giants, you come out with this underdog mentality. But now you're 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 being treated differently and you're playing against teams that are coming against you with this underdog mentality. And that's where you have to be able to get points to stay in the title race. So just a real, another exciting weekend that doesn't have necessarily the biggest of matchups, but but the the ones that matter the most when you're when you're talking about finishing in a top four position or being in a title race. Yeah, great points. The one game, though, I would look at and I guess it kind of uses uh, Heath's points as a, as a springboard is Venezia hosting Juventus. Juventus, obviously, yeah. on paper, should win this game. Thought they struggled actually against Malmo in the Champions League. They haven't really been flowing and, and having that rhythm that I think we have come to expect and know from Juve over the last couple of years, or maybe prior to that when they were winning all the Scudettos. Venezia, though, are really interesting. They beat Roma, then they beat Bologna, then they played Inter, Atalanta, hell yes, Verona, and now they got Juve. It's a really tough part of the schedule. This Venezia team is interesting, not only because they have two American internationals in, in Busio and, and Tessman, but because they had a 3-0 lead at halftime and they lost last week 4-3 to Verona, they need to figure out a way to, as they compete, can they still win games? I'm very curious about this Venezia team and I'm curious to see how they do at home against Juve and can they learn from that adventure from last weekend. Beautiful. All right, we're going to go quick on league. Uh, sorry, Jonathan Johnson, because we want to do heavy on MLS Cup, but Le Classique is this weekend. Paris Saint-Germain against Monaco. Lille against Lyon as well. And by the way, just a quick honorable mention to Inform Brest, who are on a six-match winning streak, beating Monaco, uh, As and Marseille along the way, and they host Montpellier. Quick thoughts on league A before we move to MLS Cup. Jimmy Gonrad. Yeah, I think that this particular game is great. Uh, Monaco is starting to find a little bit of form. They beat Mets 4-0 last week. Angers 3-1 before that. But PSG looked very good. I, I thought they looked great against Club Bruges. I thought the balance of their team was very nice. I, if Verratti plays, I think that gives them a really good balance. But uh, yeah, I think this is PSG all the way. I will, though, add that Monaco beat them twice in the league last season. And ultimately, yeah. we can look at those results as to why PSG lost the, the league to Lille, right? They didn't get those results against Monaco. So this is a great game. And if you're going to make any time for Liga, this would be one to watch. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would say is that, interestingly enough, in the league right now, second place, and obviously we know PSG are going to run away with, with the title on this one. They're just already way too far out in front. But when you look at the league in general, it's wide open, right? We've seen Marseille struggle, have their struggles. They hit a quick little run of form and they're right back in this uh, sort of Champions League spot races. And so you're seeing a lot of these teams kind of go into these run of forms, Brest being an example of that. Um, but it, it, the, the league is wide open going into the wintertime. Usually you start to see teams start to separate two and three. You start to see the European contenders and things like that. Right now, looking at the table, by the way, you've got literally 31, 29, 27, 27, 26, 26, like all the way down to the middle of the table. You've got teams where it actually starts to look a little bit better for Lille, who are on a decent run right now, unbeaten. They're not winning their games necessarily, but they are getting some results that you're 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 now seeing two, three wins can put you right back into a conversation. And that this season that we talked about with Lille, with all these things changing, Jonathan David might be carrying this team back to a European spot if we're, uh, before we know it. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, wrap up here to M. 
MLS Cup, the 26th edition, as Portland Timbers host NYCFC Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. This is it, baby. NYCFC in their first ever MLS Cup. Portland Timbers on their Sabadese looking to repeat and do some good things again. Jimmy Conrad, MLS Cup. I mean, we got two former MLS stars, American Wonder Bread slices. Yeah, superstars. Excited, superstars. Uh, superstars. And, or, yeah, superstars. Yeah, yeah. You know I, what? I, 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 I might the, take it back, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, talk to me. I find this crazy that the bookies think that NYCFC are the slight favorites in this one. This game wow. is in Portland's. And, and that is going to matter. Timbers Army, the, the way that they play in front of their home fans, I think makes a big difference. I think the 12th man is important in this particular match. I know that New York went to Boston and upset the New England Revolution, who were the best team in league history over the regular season, even mm. though head coach Bruce Arena has correctly stated that the schedules are a little slanted. So he played a lot more East Eastern Conference teams than Western Conference. So maybe that you know, change things a little bit. So I appreciate his, his, uh, his awareness of that particular thing, but, and they lost. And, and I thought New York played their best game of the playoffs and over the last couple months against that team, a very good revolution team. So I could see them coming out. They got Tati Castellanos, who's the leading goal scorer, the golden boot winner in MLS. He's back. He got a red card against the refs. So now he's free to play after they did what they needed to do against the Philadelphia union to get to this spot. I like NYCFC, Maxi Morales, cute as a button, number 10, pulling the strings. Love that dude. I just feel like there could be a vibe from Timbers here that could be hard to replicate. I thought they were running into the team of Destiny and Real Salt Lake who were taking scalps from everybody, but the Timbers have something. They actually, they also had to go to the number one seed in Denver at in mile high, you know, the altitude and all that, and got a hard-fought 1-0 win there. So both of these teams have topped, uh, taken down the number one seeds going into this. That has to be taken into consideration, too. I actually like this as crazy as crazy as this might sound after I've been kind of building up the timbers here because Sebastian Blanco, their number 10, who's cute as a button as well, is going to probably be back and be healthy. But I like it to go to a draw and the timbers to win an extra time. That pays plus 1100, by the way. But but the draw is plus 225. If I had to really, really, really pick a winner, not the draw, I would lean towards the timbers over NYCFC. But I think after 90 minutes, I could see them going to like a 1-1 and then something gets decided an extra time. I love it, Heath. Wow. Yeah, Jimmy, that man, you're you're really starting to convince me differently than I than I felt going into this conversation. But look, Jimmy's spot on. It's in Portland. The atmosphere is going to be crazy. Now, that atmosphere does neutralize a little bit. There's been some controversies around season ticket holders renewals and how many tickets the teams will get and purchase of tickets and things like that, which is not a great thing going in into an MLS Cup to to leverage that. So as for season ticket renewals, they had first access and and whatever. And then you have more of the, the 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 league fan that will be there as well, but it'll be a very very home game uh, for the Portland Timbers. You're playing on on a pitch that's very fast. The Portland Timbers are very good at playing direct and and sort of playing that route one sort of verticality of bringing attacks to a conclusion, as I love to talk about, mm-hmm. and and getting those things. On the flip side, you have the you have the NYCFC side that wants to press you in good spots, win the ball, attack with numbers, get numbers into the box, and then they also are are, are very good in possession. Where I see the advantage for the Portland Timbers is if they can make that place feel very far from home from the very start, right? They pressed really well against against Real Salt Lake, which I think Salt Lake didn't expect. And then they dropped back into a different scenario. They sat a little bit deeper and were a little more strategic in their pressing. But they they if they can cause that chaos, so to speak, in Portland, that's when things go wrong. And I I, I think about the Cascadia teams, Portland and Seattle, in the sense where you're when you're on these fast pitches where the game is fast, you're playing on turf. 
the game can be very hard to keep up with. And you can feel, and then the crowd gets into it. And then all of a sudden, one, two, three chances, they're creating these opportunities in front of the goal. And then you go, man, this is going to be a hard, hard game. And then Portland feels like they're a better team than they might actually be. And so I think the advantage, if Portland can start out well, goes towards Portland. Now, if that game goes deeper and actually goes to extra time, that's where I start to see NYCFC yeah. uh, finding their way back into this game or any sort of bad turnovers, if they can settle into this game. But overall, it's hard to bet against Portland. They're home. They play very, very direct, so it's not a style of play where you necessarily require, in the way that NYCFC do, eight or nine players to be at their best for you to break down teams with passing, for you to overcommit numbers into the box. You need a little bit more rhythm to that. Obviously, NYCFC have plenty of talent to be able to do that, but Portland have a way of of disrupting it, and it, it, it leans me back towards those days, Jimmy, of you know, the Bash Brothers type thing, teams, your Houston Dynamos, your Seattle Sounders that are willing to make it ugly and scrap and just really make you suffer. I think Portland have the ability to do that. So I'm going to go with Portland on this one to win in regular time. And I'm going to say actually 1-0. I think Portland score score in the first uh, half. And hopefully, uh, if, my, if my sort of prediction goes right, they score very early on and then just put that energy that's really hard to match when they're at home in front of their fans. Yeah, this is a perfect example, by the way, of uh, the biggest matchup to me, which is like NYCFC holding that home crowd. If you can keep them quiet after 20 minutes, because the first 10 minutes is going to be insane. If you can keep it quiet, then as you mentioned, the game gets harder for Portland because there'll be pressure because they're at home, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's a massive... What other matchups, Jimmy, are worth mentioning. Tati Castellanos, super fresh, obviously. Didn't yeah. play in a previous game. Anything that you're focusing on in the game itself? Well, I think Castellanos versus the center backs from the Timbers is going to be of mm. the utmost importance. And then and then, as we saw in the Philadelphia Union game where NYCFC were a little bit quicker to second balls. So anything that's lumped into the box, if NYCFC decide to play a little bit more direct, who's going to win that second ball? So, so Maxi Morales, the number 10 for NYCFC versus Diego Chara. Cute as a button. Uh, both of them are cute as a button. And <laughs> and that's going to be a really good matchup as well because they're both very experienced players. They know what's at stake here. They know that they need to play well for their team to win, right? There's that, that added responsibility. And that's why they got signed. That's why you give these guys the big money to show up in the biggest game. So Diego Chara versus, versus Maxi Morales is probably my favorite, but you got to keep an eye on Castellanos versus the center backs from the Timbers who do have at times an ability to have some lapses in in uh, concentration, which I think Castellanos can take advantage of. I, 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 I will say this, that NYCFC really struggled against a a borderline C team from Philadelphia Union to find a rhythm in the first half. When they That's found, once they, did, once they did fi find it, they were good. Now, part of that was, you know, uh, the weather, the conditions, the the fact that you're, you're, you're now went from being the underdog to being the favorite in a game that you weren't preparing for. But in this final... I mean, they're talking about the weather being potentially crazy, like crazy windows, yeah. rain, like, and I don't know who that advantage leans to. I would assume that it leans to Portland who are playing at home, know their pitch better, better than NYC will, uh, will know the pitch. The conditions start to level everyone out. Everyone has to play in those tough conditions. I, I had, we, I experienced this in 2010 when we played in Toronto for, uh, in a neutral site against Colorado Rapids. We were by far a better team, but Colorado were just like, you know what? We're going to make this ugly. We're going to kick you every moment that we have. We're going to never allow you to get into a rhythm. Add this weather element, which was freezing cold, and and they ended up winning. They ended up winning this one, and so uh, or that one. And so when I look at this one, it comes down to Sebastian Blanco. What's the role that he plays within the team? Does he start? Does he come off the bench? 
what kind of impact does he have? And then weather, what factors does that play into to this match overall? And again, I think weather leans towards the Portland Timbers and the fact that they're going to create, create this crazy atmosphere that now has even more elements that you have to deal with. Again, I know Jimmy's a, the great neutralizer in terms of everybody has <laughs> to play in it. Everybody has to suffer in it. That's the chip on Jimmy's shoulder. And and the and his mentality, but that's not going to be the mentality of an NYCFC player when he's sitting in the locker room and has to go out and warm up, and it's pissing down rain and it's disgusting outside. <laughs> a lot of South Americans in that yeah. NYCFC yeah. team, like I, Alex Palins wants none of them. Well, he's been in New York for a while. Well, Heath, you gave me a Portland win in regular time, correct? Yes. Exact score? Uh, I'm going to go with one nil. Jimmy, I'm going to go one one in regulation, and then the storybook ending. Diego Valeri comes on as a super sub, <laughs> club legend, and scores an extra time. Cute. I mean, he is very handsome, and he's got the man bun to go with it. And <laughs> and I feel like I, I, that would just be amazing if that's how it finished, because I think his time with the Timbers is coming to a close here. So to see a club legend like him go out in that type of style, I'm going for the Michael Jordan ending game six. Okay. <laughs> All right, that, that's good. Well, I have to go for my home team here i, I think nycfc will, will do Wait, it there's a peruvian club is there yeah. who are they playing what? against <laughs> come on man i just take the four or five and i'm right there at yankee stadium <laughs> i love it no listen and also alex callens come on one peruvian playing in this i gotta go there but i will say this it, it's all down to that atmosphere because th those first 15 minutes are going to be absolutely crucial and the weather i mean to your point Heath, i'm looking at the weather it's absolutely insane but there you have it mls cup all right, that's it. Weekend preview. And guess what? I think, yeah, we're just passing that one hour mark. You're so lucky. This is free. Don't ever complain, right? <laughs> and the whole vaccination thing, you can fast forward that. So I don't want any complaints. So everybody just, you know, just get vaxxed for Christ's sake. All right, final thoughts from these two. Plenty to think about. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, final thoughts. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Liga MA Keys. The Apertura finals are going on leg one. They have a two-legged final. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but it is uh, Leon taking on Atlas, right? So it's the Lions of Mexico taking on a map of the world, apparently, with Atlas, which I really appreciate. I do want to give a shout out. This leg one is at Leon's home stadium. They beat Puebla when they lost the first leg. They won the second leg and got through. They did the same thing against Tigres in the semifinals. And I think they're going to go out and get a result in leg one. Leg two is on Monday. But this should be good to watch if you're in the Liga MNP. Two Peruvians in there, too, as well. Two Peruvian national team members, Santiago Ormeño and Anderson Santamaria. Heath Pierce, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, Freiburg are taking on Hoffenheim, both four and five in the Bundesliga. And I think that's a great matchup. Freiburg have been the surprising team that are willing to go on and batter anybody. And Hoffenheim obviously <laughs> has our, our, our lovely Chris Richards there. So a game worth watching if you've got time. And thank you, everybody. That was it. My final thought will be the conclusion here. So uh, Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Heath Pierce, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. And this is my final thought. It's going to be a little video here, but uh, it's a little cleanser for everybody. Uh, Nene, former PSG and Brazil player Nene, is in Paris helping out Neymar with his recovery. And he went to Paris. Uh, he's still there. And he went to Evry uh, in Paris. They do a little challenge called Lusan d'Evry. And this video just gives me absolute joy. Check this out. Have a great, great weekend. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.